0: Hey, it's Beth here. Episode 400. Yay! Oh, Fantastic. Okay. I do love doing this. So, um, I have two movies that I saw that are so complicated. One being Babylon. And I don't know why everybody is starting movies with such upsetting scenes. Like in The Whale and in Babylon. All anybody talks about is this elephant, um he relieves himself on people it's it's like why would you do that why would you create a scene like that in the very beginning it's so jarring I don't even know what's going on it's off-putting but anyway that's what he did and everybody loves this guy Damien Chazelle or whatever okay this is basically a remake of Singing in the Rain and it's a dark the dark side of Singing in the Rain And uh, it's very chaotic, and I suppose it's supposed to um, be—it's supposed to amaze me with its debauchery. It doesn't, and I don't like the red dress that she is wearing, Margot. In this movie, it's—it's unattractive. So all of that goes on. Who hasn't seen everything like this before? But there is one scene in this movie that is going to make it be an Oscar contender. Sometimes. Hollywood is so in love with itself that it, it it does create the beauty especially of what they did back in the 20s because when it was a scene and it was a cast of thousands it was actually thousands of people and there's this one scene where the camera's broken they need a new camera they've got all these people on this um, field they will not be there tomorrow. This guy goes, gets a camera, gets it back in an ambulance, and they capture the perfect light and the perfect moment. And it's Brad Pitt, and it's really well done, and it just makes Hollywood look great. Hold on for a sec. Alexa, volume down. What is going on with her? Okay, so, and then there's another scene where you see Margot, Robbie, um, speaking lines, and it really was the Wild West back in the day and there were all these um, mistakes takes they had to do over and she really does show the range of her acting because of those two scenes this movie is going to be up for Oscars and everyone is, in Hollywood is going to love it because it's grandiosity at its, at its most grandiose and it's it's showing them as all geniuses and Hollywood is you know filmmaking with capital F and so uh, prepare yourself it's gonna be there it's not that great so um, would I go to the theater to see it no I wouldn't would I watch it on television yeah I'd watch it just to see those two scenes and um, the rest of it I don't know what he was trying to do Um, surprise me amaze me uh, horrify me it's chaotic three hours of total chaos. The ending is tacked on, everyone says that. Uh, The story is, we don't care for anyone, okay? They were so into spectacle that they forgot to write characters. And they had Brad Pitt and they could have done it. And he's supposed to be John Gilbert and that is an interesting story. And it's romantic and it's heartbreaking. And Brad Pitt can do that. But they just got too wrapped up in uh, what everything looked like. So, big waste. But it's going to be up there because of those two scenes. And maybe you can just YouTube those two scenes and just watch them. Um, I would say the, the first one was a little bit um, in the story. The, the clock was ticking for five whole minutes. And I was on the edge of my seat during that time. So, maybe... Just watch, uh, it's three hours. I don't want to put you through it. Uh, both of these scenes are in the first hour. I would say the first hour was a good movie. The next two hours, I think they were just tacking everything on, hoping that something would stick. So that's that movie. The next one is Steven Spielberg's Fablemans. And he picked the name Fable because in German, Fable is about fables. Okay, so fine. That's where he got the name. The movie is about his mother and father, and his mother uh, gets a real get-out-of-jail-free card in this movie, because she is kind of awful. And she puts him in this uncomfortable position of, she treats him like an adult, and she shares too much information with him, and she says, you and I are going to keep secrets from your father, and she is in love with the very best friend of the father. And I've been reading a lot of articles about it, and actually the father gets treated pretty badly in this, and he doesn't his characters not evolved enough. And some of the friends of his, when he was a Boy Scout making his first movie, said that Steven's father was instrumental in making the first few movies because he was a film buff. And that's not even in this movie. So I don't know what he was doing. But it does hearken. Okay, so the mother is so inappropriate. She has them filming her in this see-through negligee with no underwear on, and her three daughters and son are watching this. And it's backlit by a car, and he's supposed to film it. She's, she's, and I, I and she's a pianist and everything, and Jud Hirsch is in it, and he says, art is art, and I'm like, wait a minute. She is supposed to be these, these children's mother. And she keeps this big, dark secret from her husband that she's in love with his best friend. I'm like, I'm not into her. And I think he says that he loved her very much, but I don't know. He, a therapist would wonder, because in his first movie, his, his big one, Sugarland Express, the father is very meek, and the mother, who's called John, is a modest and um brash okay, that's what her that's what his mother was like, okay, so here's another one close encounters isolated father okay that's that's his father in real life, family in turmoil, poltergeist, okay, and then there's um catch me if you can, that's an unknowable father, an unfaithful mother, and a wayward son because he didn't want to go to college, so that is uh that is basically he kept. Reviewing his life in his movies because he chose the movies he wanted to make they weren't thrown at him he wasn't in a studio with like um, you know Goldwyn or anybody throwing and do this next do this next he chose the scripts and a lot of the scripts have a mother that is um, unfaithful and, and immodest and there's other stories too so what was he working out there the one good scene in the movie when he's a little boy and he's The boy that plays him is so beautiful. It's a train scene. The first movie he went to um, had a train wreck and he recreated it at home. And his parents helped him do that. So that was, that was all fine. I'm in the movie, I'm watching it. I'm okay with it. Although he's Mr. Perfect Goody Two Shoes. He never does anything wrong. Not as a teenager, not as a little boy. He's just the most remarkable child. why didn't you let somebody else write your life story? And then there's this scene that took everybody out of the movie in the bathroom. I heard about it. Okay, and I don't know if Tony Kushner was his co-writer. I don't know what kind of a fantasy scene they came up with, but this did not happen at his senior prom. Okay, he did make a movie, and it was set and he and he made the movie of this day that all the kids cut school, they go to the beach and they get away with it. So he made a movie of that day. Okay. But in this movie that all the kids that are still alive, they're 75, um, the boy, the most beautiful boy in the class, the, you know, the quarterback of the football team gave him a hard time in school and he made this movie and he portrayed him as a hero, you know, shirt off, glistening skin. It was so bizarre, all this stuff. And he actually gets the guy gets his girlfriend back at the dance. Okay. So I'm like, all right, I don't know why you did that, but you did it. It was all about him. He wins the race. The sun glistens off his chest. There's no one else in this whole movie. So then what he says is we go into the hallway. This guy is watching this movie, this, this bully, and he doesn't like it. And he's in the hallway and he's supposed to be having this uh, crisis of conscience, right? He just gets the girl he got back. I'm sure that's what he did in real life. Just thrilled that the movie made him look good. But not when you let Steven Spielberg write it, because he has to write himself as the hero in every single second of this movie. So this is a convoluted thing that he does. All right, so Senior Ditch Day, that movie, Logan is portrayed in Steven Spielberg's mind because this is what he wrote in his notes. It's a Lenny Ruff-style movie. Okay, that's the woman who wrote the Nazi um, proper propaganda movies, okay? This is what Stephen's doing in his mind. He's taking his his little tiny 17 year old self and acting like he is a 45 year old genius. Okay, he's not. He's 17. So is this little guy, Logan, the bully. Okay, so he makes him, he says he's making him into a Nazi uber mensch and that Logan is smart enough to know that he is being mocked. Logan is not smart enough to know that he's being mocked. He looks great in this movie. Everybody's cheering for him and clapping for him. Even in the portrayal that Steven has on in his film, everyone loves Logan. We're clapping when he wins the race. He gets the girl back. It's crazy. So the the reality is the jock is not crying in front of the lockers. So when we're watching this thing. It goes on and on and on and on, and Stephen says that he wanted he in this in this story that he's recreated of this moment in his life. He said that he was standing for creative impression and Jewish pride. Like, like he's only 17, he doesn't want to get beat up. That's what it's really about. So he ex- exposes the phony facade of Logan the Aryan hostility that he feels for this other little kid, who is, you know, Steven Spielberg. And all the kids in the movie are cheering uh, Logan on. Logan goes into the hall, and he starts crying. Steven comes in, and they have this, like, super unreal conversation. I mean, people were gagging, throwing up on their popcorn while this was going on, okay? So then what happened was um, I read things and he even said in an interview I, I, I saw his lips moving when he said this he said in reality in instead of what I wrote in the movie that Logan guy comes up to me at the end of the movie where everybody's cheering him and he's so amazing and he gets kissed by the girl then he turns and he looks at Steven Spielberg and he says hey bud you made me look great in that movie I wish I'd gotten to know you better. That would have been great. I mean, all this existential stuff, I mean, I don't get it. Nobody's, nobody gets it. That's not what the story was all about. You were in high school. That, that that guy actually said something like that is a major plot point. And it's big enough. And it's believable enough for me. You didn't have to go to this crazy place. So I give Babylon the first hour for trolls. The last two hours, no trolls. Everybody died. All the trolls left the theater. The Spielberg movie, the artistic direction was amazing. He had his three sisters on the set with him all the time. And they were saying, Mom's shoes weren't over there. Mom's shoes were over there. Mom didn't use that color dish. I felt like I was back in that world. Their clothes, their hair, everything. Except the mom's hair is a little too pixie cut. I don't think a woman with her and maybe of course it's probably true because they probably saw pictures but i think she would have put a little bit more um hairspray in it michelle williams's hair looked like she was in a preschool class four-year-olds so i i think she everybody those women used hairspray they used dippity do their hair was like a nest like a rat's nest all of them so That was the only thing that I didn't think was perfect. The guy's clothes, the father's, everything was great. So I would say I would give the three sisters an Oscar for artistic direction for this movie because I know they did it. They were there all the time. They say Stephen was crying all the time. Well, yeah, he was crying over his fictitious, amazing life that he led. Mr. Perfect, like a godsend to the planet Earth. So forget it, okay? So I would give those girls the Oscar for that, and then I would give him nothing. I mean, seriously. You're not that great, Steven. You weren't that great at 17. You weren't, okay? And the first movies you made, all the guys, all those Boy Scouts in that movie said your dad was there. He directed the first movie. He taught you a lot of the tricks you learned because he was also interested in filmmaking. And he was an engineer. And he knew pyrotechnics and he knew how to make everything look like it did. He didn't make it all up. Why do these guys have to pretend that they got no help from anybody? just drives me crazy. So, would I see it? Um, I'd definitely watch it at home, the Fableman one. Just to see, you know, and if anybody asked me to write my own life story in my teen years, I'd be very tempted to do what he did very tempted not to be the person I really was. Not to have the feelings I really had. And I'd add some glamour and some wisdom to that little tiny person who just wanted to sit next to someone in the cafeteria. That's who he was. He can't fool me. So, anyway, these, both of these movies do not deserve your ticket, and I'm really, really, really excited about saving movie theaters, but I just can't, I can't make you do it. Not this time. It's not fair. It's definitely not fair. So, and I don't want you to waste three hours of your life watching Babylon. I really don't. So, those are the reviews. Those are the movies. I will see the movies for you. I will keep doing the hard job of sitting there eating food, which isn't hard, drinking, which is not hard at all. And, but three hours of like Babylon, I really felt like it was a chore. And that is not entertaining. So, Anyway, I'll be back and 400 episodes. Yay! Thanks. Bye bye.